Section 11 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Stevens. The World Story, Volume 11. Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section 11. The Story of John Brebeuf. 1633-1649. By Rev. J. O. Miller. Jean Brebeuf was one of the devoted band of French missionaries who went out with the first Canadian colonists to preach the gospel to the heathen. He came of a noble family, was a man of immense strength of body and firmness of will, and was filled with a deep love of his fellow men. Giving up the ease and pleasures of his life at home, he came to Kindler to devote himself to the conversion of the Indians. After studying the Huron language at Quebec, he was sent in July 1633 with two other priests, Daniel and Davost, up the Ottawa. He followed the route of Champlain and Le Caron. The journey of 900 miles was made in canoes, and the priests, barefoot and unaccustomed to paddling, suffered no small hardships. With great toil they reached Lake Nipissing, paddled down French River, and along the coast of the Georgian Bay, arriving at their destination at Thunder Bay, a month after leaving Quebec. They were well received by the Indians, who helped them to build their house and chapel, and the mission made a favourable beginning. Let us see them in their home. The house was built of poles stuck into the ground close together, and covered on the outside with bark. Differing from an Indian house, which was one long room, it was divided into three. One outside room, a hall and place for storage, the other, the chapel. The living room between had the fire on the ground, with a hole in the roof for the escape of smoke. At the sides were two large platforms on which they kept their clothing, and under which they slept on sheets of bark covered with skins. The Indians were delighted with two things they had never seen before, a hand mill and a clock. The latter they called the captain, and, hearing it strike, thought it was alive, and asked what it ate, and what it said. When he strikes twelve times, answered Brebeuf, he says, hang on the kettle, and when he strikes four times, he says, get up and go home. Thus the missionaries got a quiet hour to themselves in the evening. Brebeuf found the work of converting the Indians to Christianity an almost impossible task. The constant answer of the chiefs was, your religion is good for the French, but we are a different people. He directed most of his efforts to teaching the children, and to caring for the sick and dying. In other ways, he was of much service to the Hurons. They lived in perpetual fear of the Iroquois, and would flee to the woods on getting news of a war party. He taught them how to build strong forts, and procured for them a few muskets. All went well with Brebeuf and his companions, so long as the Indians were free from trouble. But when sickness or famine visited them, they accused the priests of being the cause of it. When a long drought threatened the crops in 1635, they blamed the Red Cross on the chapel. When disease entered their towns, the lives of the missionaries were no longer safe. In 1636, the pestilence fell upon the Huron towns and with it the smallpox. Careless of contagion, Brebeuf and his companions went about from village to village giving their simple medicines. 
often only sugar water and raisins, and trying to comfort the sick with the consolations of religion, and where possible to baptize them before death. When the people were dying in great numbers, a council was called, and Brebeuf was asked, What must we do that your God may take pity on us? He answered, Believe in him, keep his commandments, abjure your faith in demons, take but one wife, renounce your assemblies of debauchery, eat no human flesh, never give feasts to demons, and make a vow that if God will deliver you from this pest, you will build a chapel to offer him thanksgiving and praise. The stern demands of the faithful priests met with no acceptance. The Indians turned for help to their sorcerers. These men, who looked upon the priests as their natural enemies, spread the report that they had introduced the pestilence. Everything about the mission was suspected. A small streamer, fastened on top of a tree to show the direction of the wind, was said to send forth the disease. Brebeuf had to stop the clock, as its striking was thought to be the signal of death. He and his companions were threatened with sacrifice. Their destruction was openly advocated at a great council. It was a custom among the Hurons for a man condemned to give a parting feast. Brebeuf, determined to show the Indians that he was not afraid to look death in the face, gave a farewell feast for himself and his friends. When the guests were seated, Brebeuf preached to them as they ate. His words were received with scowls. Each guest, when he had finished his repast, rose and departed without a word. For some days Brebeuf lived in suspense unable to tell what his fate would be. Then the clouds of suspicion began to roll away, and friendliness slowly restored. In November 1640, Brebeuf set out on a mission to the neutral nation, which occupied the Niagara Peninsula. These Indians were among the most ferocious in North America, so that they were left in peace between the Iroquois and the more peaceful tribes to the west and north. Brebeuf visited 18 of their towns and was in danger of his life wherever he went. Only fear of the French kept the neutrals from destroying him. Go out and leave our country, said an old chief, or we will put you into the kettle and make a feast of you. And another, I have had enough of the dark-coloured flesh of our enemies. I wish to know the taste of white meat, and I will eat yours. After a terrible experience of hunger, cold, and harsh treatment during four months, Brebeuf was obliged to return. We must admire the zeal and courage in Christian fortitude which made the missionary ready to suffer even torture and death in such a cause. For some years he continued to labour among the Hurons, but this tribe, numerous though they were, were doomed to destruction by the ruthless Iroquois. Brebeuf found the Hurons harassed by them when he first arrived, he was to fall in their final onslaught. Year by year they made it more and more impossible for the Hurons and Algonquins to go down the Ottawa to trade, so that at length the missionaries became isolated from their friends in Quebec. To add to the power of the Iroquois, the Dutch at Albany provided them with guns, thus rendering them irresistible to other tribes. Latterly the priests had many converts. The Hurons, decimated by the pestilence and in constant dread of their foes, became willing to listen to the exhortations of the missionaries. Thus men in trouble turned to God. The accounts of work in the mission sent to Quebec were full of joy at present success, and of hope for the future. 
In the summer of 1648, a large band of Iroquois invaded the Huron country. They first attacked the large town called by the French St. Joseph. Most of the men were away hunting. Father Daniel, who had come to the mission with Brebeuf, was there and urged the people to flee while he calmly remained. He put on his vestments and boldly came out of the chapel to meet the Iroquois. They stood for a moment in surprise and then pierced him with a volley of arrows and bullets. The little church was set on fire and his body thrown into the flames. In March 1649, they returned in greater numbers, captured the town of St. Ignace, and attacked St. Louis, where were Brebeuf and Lalamont. The Indians begged them to escape, but Brebeuf indignantly refused. After a bloody battle, the Iroquois, twice beaten back, were victorious, and all within the towns were taken. It was set on fire, and most of the captives were burned to death. A more dreadful fate was reserved for the heroic missionaries. They were stripped, bound with thongs, driven naked, and flogged with sticks, two miles back to St. Ignace. There Brebeuf was bound to a stake. He began to speak words of comfort to his people when the savages rushed upon him, cut away his lower lip, and thrust a red-hot iron down his throat. As he refused to show signs of pain, they brought out La Lamont, that Brebeuf might see his brother tortured. They tied strips of bark covered with pitch around him and set fire to them. He called out to Brebeuf with his last breath, in St. Paul's words, We are made a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. The torturers now hung a collar of red-hot hatchets around Brebeuf's neck, but he maintained his silence. Then, in mockery of Christian baptism, they slowly poured boiling water upon his head, crying, we baptize that you may be happy in heaven. Still the hero stood steadfastly, looking upon them with the face of an angel. Enraged, the Indians cut strips from his flesh and devoured them in his presence. At last they scalped him, and piercing his side, came to drink his blood, that they might acquire his marvellous courage. Thus died Brebeuf, adding a martyr's crown to a life of self-sacrifice, freely spent in the service of God for the conversion of the savage tribes that once claimed this land for their own. End of section 11. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Matt Stevens.